Hello, welcome to the Spirit and Sword Bible teaching program with our expositor, Philip Hand, the senior pastor and founder of Encounter Church. Today we are journeying together through the book of Philemon. Let us join Pastor Philip now. We're in the book of Philemon. This is a one-chapter book in the Gospels. Amazing that this tiny little letter, a personal letter of Paul's to Philemon or Philemon or however you want to pronounce it, and um, he was a, a friend uh, of Paul's, and you know he's wrote this personal letter to him, and somehow for the last two thousand years we've all been reading this personal letter and you know how would you like your mail to be read this is the truth of it the holy spirit saw fit to include this into the canon of scripture and um, i can see why i can see how this is a blessing it's a very simple uh, little letter that was uh, sent with a messenger i believe that as we look at this we're going to glean some truth that's going to encourage us and i i believe the word of god is all relevant every every uh, verse, every word, and every verse in, in, from the Old Testament to the New Testament is relevant to every believer. Yes, there's some things that don't apply to certain groups. I understand that. I understand that some things uh, culturally are different. I understand that. But I believe we can learn from every every scripture, and it should be learning, and it should be blessing and edifying us. So uh, if the intro is this. The name Philemon, Philemon, it's um, is is the way you would pronounce it. Uh, I prefer just to call it um, Philemon, and I'm sure he won't mind me uh, mispronouncing his name, but it's easier to say. And it ca- completely means friendly, you know. So, uh, you know, I kind of like this guy because his name is Phil, and uh, he's a friendly kind of guy. And my name is also Philip, and uh, you know, but uh, here he's. Uh, his name is important because it's his nature, and uh, I, I think that's very fitting. He was a wealthy, rich man. He had his own um, slaves, as we'll find out in the letter. He had his own servants, and he was uh, from the uh, Colossi area, the church to the Colossians, and he was... Um, what, what else can I say? You know, it's that part of the world where it's kind of like Turkey and... Uh, you know that kind of area, modern day Turkey area, and uh, the you know Eastern Europe type. That kind of area is what the area of the world we're talking in, and that is where he ha- he somehow had met uh, Paul. Um, he got converted by Paul, and his household became uh, believers, and uh, he uh, established this church, and um, he has uh, what we believe um, traditionally would be. Uh, a mention for his wife and a mention for his son. And um, here, Aphia was his wife, and Archippus, uh, or Hippus, uh, which means horse ruler, was his son. And he was probably uh, the pastor of the church of the household as well, because I would imagine, um, you know, he, he, he was full of power and strength and vision and uh, you know obviously he had his father's resources and i believe he was a good man and of course here horse ruler he was you know he was um 
he was in charge of uh, of some of his father's estate, and I believe the church also. And he's mentioned in the book of Colossians, chapter 4, verse 7, uh, 17, and uh, it says, pay attention to the ministry you have received in the Lord so that you accomplish it. And I think that was a, uh, a word saying, you know, don't be distracted by looking after the horses and looking after the stables, looking after the, uh, the estate of the, the father. Uh, Pay attention to the ministry, and uh, I believe that's a message in it in itself. Uh, hallelujah! But that's the kind of introduction to uh, to this amazing little letter. And let's let's get into it. Let's get into uh, studying this word together. So let's go into the greeting. So Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our beloved friend and fellow laborer okay so here it's a uh, paul a prisoner and uh, you know he was captive and bound and he was in jail and you know i love it here that he's he's identifying that he's not in jail because of the roman empire or or a captive of any of the cities he was in no he's he's saying here i'm a captive or i'm bound to Jesus Christ, uh, and I'm captivated by Jesus. In other words, it doesn't matter where I am in the world. I'm a prisoner of Christ. I'm bound. I'm chained to Jesus, and you know I, I'm glad that I'm sentenced to be with Christ. And you know, so he's saying I might be in physical chains, but you know what? That is uh, just where God wants me, and it doesn't matter where I am. I'm actually a prisoner. 24-7, but my jailer, uh, my keeper is Jesus. And, you know, that's a tremendous faith statement in this first few words. I am a prisoner of Jesus. I mean, you know, we would never really refer to ourselves as prisoners of Christ, would we? Because uh, we, we like to talk about how free we are, how, oh, I'm, I'm under grace, I'm under freedom. But the truth is, we're actually, as true followers of Jesus Christ, as true disciples of Jesus Christ, we should consider ourselves as slaves or servants bonded to Jesus. In other words, in chains, in, in servitude to our Lord and our God. And this is how uh, Paul saw his life. He didn't see his life as anything other than being a servant, being a slave of Jesus. And, you know, I commend Paul for this attitude and i wish it was uh, in the heart of all of us to be that humble and he says uh, timothy our brother of course that's uh, a spiritual son timothy was a spiritual son and uh, the book of one or two timothy is about timothy or two timothy just like this letter is to philemon and so here he's now writing uh, this letter to this beloved friend and fellow labor dearly beloved um uh, co-worker in the ministry in other words you know paul uh, had a working christian ministry relationship with this man they did ministry together and whatever paul brought was obviously the the, the teaching the uh, the revelation and, and obviously what philemon brought was the resources to build the church and they i'm sure they did so much more so i'm a slave to christ hallelujah what a way to begin and uh, so that's verse one. Verse two says, uh, to the beloved uh, Apia, uh, probably not pronouncing it right, she'll have to forgive me when I see her in heaven, and uh, their son 
Archippus, we believe their son. Um, probably not pronouncing that either. Right, they'll have to forgive me too. And um, he, he says here, the fellow soldier. In other words, uh, you know, as Christians, we're, we're not just prisoners, but we're active soldiers. It's 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 multiple pictograms, if you like, that describe that on the inside we're captive to Christ. Well, on the inside we're held and protected by Him, but on the outwards, we need to be taking territory that God's leading us into. We need to be fighting the good fight, as Paul would say. We need to be uh, contending for the, the church to grow on earth. And so, you know, here, this uh, fellow soldier was a, was a kingdom man. He was a builder and he was, he was, he was doing things. And, uh, and so he greets him as a fellow soldier. Uh, as a fellow warrior, and to the church, which is the meeting assembly in your household. You know, so here, uh, you know, 2,000 years ago, before the Roman Empire made it Christendom the official, uh, the, the norm would be to meet in churches. Sometimes they met in synagogues, and when they got thrown out of the synagogues, they would eventually meet in uh, lots of different houses, uh, where, you know, their houses were much bigger than ours are in England. You know, they're... they're they could seat lots of people in one room. We're lucky we can get four people in the same room in many houses in England because we, we build everything small because we're on a little island and so many of us need to fit in. And, uh, you know, so they had big open spaces that, you know, ventilated because of the summer heat. And, yeah, and you know, they, they could easily meet in these places. And then sometimes Paul, you know, he would... Uh, go into a building which was sometimes like a college or a or some some place like that and he would hold public meetings in in places of education so there's all sorts of different types of churches you know some some people get caught up these days on the churches of the acts of the apostles was only in houses and you know home church is the way to go and they, they like to get on their little bandwagon and the truth is if you actually read the book of acts yes a fair percentage were in homes but some met on the beach some some met where, wherever they could you know it some met in public places in buildings and stuff and it's like you know stop being so narrow-minded i understand your heart is against wasting money and you know we we've got cathedrals massive cathedrals and in this country that were built you know and and they really become mausoleums they've, they've become uh, synagogues of satan in, in lots of areas and you know these empty graves uh, you know the you know the beautiful buildings the the construction we couldn't even make it like they made it you know a few centuries ago and uh, so i you know i love to visit these places but i certainly wouldn't want to worship in them and many of them, of course, were were not built for worship. They were built for the monks to retreat to. Uh, but that's another story for another day. But So I understand the heart on both arguments. But what I'm saying, let's be balanced. It doesn't matter where you are. Paul was in prison, and he was meeting in prison, getting people saved in prison. So I want to encourage you guys, if you're in a house, if you're in a church building, if you're in a multi-church building, if you're in a car park, if you're in, you know, a, a rubbish heap in the middle of nowhere, it doesn't matter as long as you're assembling, meeting together to encourage. Now, of course, in lockdown days, it's getting difficult to meet where the government won't allow us to meet. But thank God for the Internet. Thank God for these times together when we can come and meet together. So. This is where we're at. And verse three, it says, grace to you and 
peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, so grace here, the word grace, you know, we hear a lot about grace these days. We, we hear a lot of people, you know, the, talking about hyper grace. We're talking about, you know, and they, they want to talk about grace so much. And we want to, you know, some people say, oh, it's a license to sin. And others say, no, it's a license for freedom. And, you know, the truth is grace simply means this gratitude, favor, gift, joy, freedom, and thanks. So here, the grace that we receive from God is a, is a gift, and we should be grateful that God has given us this gift of grace. And it does bring us freedom, but it makes us uh, full of uh, favor with man and with God. It makes us full of favor uh, with our situations. It, 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 it births in us joy. This is the grace of God. We should be joyful Christians. Now, a lot of people that would claim to be Christian, there's no sign of joy in their life. That If they crack the smile in church, it's, it's because, you know, something unchristians happened. You know, they, they, they like to be so serious uh, and so dignified. But can I tell you, when grace of God is poured upon you, 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 you tend to get a little less dignified. You get a little bit more joy and a little bit more freedom on the inside. And uh, don't bottle it up. Just let it out. Let it let it flow and you'll, you'll benefit and so will others. And, you know, it also is thanks. We, we, you know, when we're under grace, we're in, we should be thankful. We should be, we should be operating in a place where joy manifests and thanksgiving is on our hearts and on our lips. And we thank God for what he's doing. And we, we are thankful for other people. And this is what he's saying, the grace of God to you, Philemon, and to you also peace. You know, so grace and peace are two separate things here. So what is peace? Prosperity, quietness and rest. You know, uh, the greatest times of ministry is when I rest in the finished work of Christ. When I rest in what God's done for me, God can do the rest. I, I, I can sit back and I can operate from a finished work perspective of what Jesus Christ has finished on the cross has equipped me to move forward to do the work of ministry. You know, so when we, we were talking about the finished work of Jesus Christ, uh, and some Christians would like to leave it it's all done. It's all finished. I don't have to do anything. Well, can I tell you that that's not what the Word of God teaches? The Word of God says we are to be discipled. We are to grow. We are we are to to be mobilized. We we are to do so many things. But most of all, we do it because God's done it. The the, the God has made the way where there was no way. It's but it's up to us to get up and walk in it. And so any works we do. Uh, not to get salvation, but they are because we are saved through the finished work of the cross of Jesus Christ. We don't add to the work of the cross. We don't add anything to our salvation. What we do is we walk fully in the finished work, which means we rest in the finished work, which means we're not, oh, am I, am I saved? Oh, Lord, I'm not sure whether I'm saved. No, no, we rest in peace. You see, one of the fruits of the Holy Spirit is peace. And another fruit is joy. And another fruit is long-suffering. And I could go on and list the rest of the fruits, but I'll leave that for another day. But the truth is, when we are walking in grace and peace, 
we should be walking in spiritual prosperity because in the inside we're eternally secure, eternally resting in the fact that Jesus has made a way for us to enter into this rest, this kingdom uh, of completion. Uh, that you know, it, we're just a, a cog in the massive engine of called the kingdom of God. And you know, I, I've I'm going to digress a little bit because I'm, I'm getting too excited, but I don't care. And um, the, the the evening's young, and you know, I, I've got an engineering mindset. I you know one of my character traits that probably is not something to boast about but one of my character traits that as as a young boy um my brothers like to, to remind me of this they like to, to tell me that you know i i would take everything apart to see how it works and you know so if if there was a new uh, 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 i don't know a new radio new tv or something I, I would be there with a screwdriver dismantling it to look on the inside to see how it worked you know as a young boy it's, it's fascinating that I, I was that way i was wired like an engineer and uh, you know the, the the truth of it is uh, i'm too tired to take anything apart now but i'm still interested now in it works <laughs> anyway but the, the, what i'm trying to say to you is you know when when you're in the kingdom of god uh every component inside that appliance that i would take apart was important and sometimes i would take something apart you know people used to bring their old video recorders remember the vcr they are big cassette tapes if you're if you're too young you won't know what i'm talking about but you know, and they bring me their TVs uh, to repair because that's what I was studying at the time as a young man. And, um, you know, I, I would end up fixing the, the, the VCR or the TV, but there was always some screws left over. There was always a piece that I thought, where did that go? Where did that come from? I have no idea. Here, it, it works. Fingers crossed. <laughs> I'm only joking. But the truth is, you know, it... it you know, you take something apart and sometimes you're always left over with something. But in the kingdom of God, every one of us has a role. Every one of us is important because, you know, an engine won't run smoothly in a local church. A local church is an engine. And if it won't run smoothly if, if, if it's not in tune. You know, if, if there's some component that is not working properly or is not uh, fitting right or it, it is misaligned in some way they've taken offense or something that the engine of the whole church the whole kingdom assembly is not going to function in fact it might be a little bit shaky a little bit noisy and um you know and we wonder why we're not going anywhere well because somebody somewhere is not in alignment but what i'm telling you is in the kingdom of god you're important and in in the scheme of things this person receiving this letter, I don't believe he, he knew the significance of his life. Uh, I can't prove it, but I believe this, uh, this Philemon was a dear brother and a specially anointed man for the season of Paul's life and for building the church uh, in that area and I believe that you know some of us are key people in the kingdom and we don't even realize how pivotal we are how important we are in our families how we're put in place and, and we're thinking why me Lord why am I going through this season of difficulty because God's placed you in in a position of influence somewhere I believe these things and because 
You're born again by the Spirit of God. What you bring is grace, peace. You bring rest and restitution to your household. Do you know this? And you bring blessings to the church around you. This is this is why you're here. Now, and I know it may not feel like it. I know sometimes it doesn't look like it. But the truth of it is, everything we're doing in the kingdom and everything we haven't done is still recorded in heaven. And I believe that, you know, we'll be shocked. And, you know, the word of God says, you know, you did this and you did that. And then they go, well, when do we do this? When do, when were we that good? And, you know, the word says, when you gave my prophets a drink of water, when you uh, helped somebody, you know, I don't think we know the work that we're doing. We, we seem to get caught up with thinking that, you know, working is, is standing on a box, preaching on the streets, you know, handing out tracts. We keep all these ideas of what working in the ministry is. But can I tell you, every every and each and every one of you has a ministry to do, even if it's in a secular workplace, even if it's in a small insignificant household. It's bringing the grace and peace of God into people's lives. So it's bringing love where there is no love. I, I don't want to underestimate what God can do in you, but um, I don't think words can describe how much treasure you bring on earth, my dear friends. So here uh, he says, from God our Father, your, your grace and your peace comes from God our Father, the Lord, supreme authority, Jesus Christ. The Lord there is supreme authority, Jesus Christ. You know, everything we have is because of the goodness and uh, faithfulness of God. We're not faithful, but God is faithful. Hallelujah. So even when we've messed up, even when we've missed the mark, God never missed the mark. He's got the supreme authority over every situation in our life. Uh, we just need to give him the reins and say, Lord, I'm going to walk and work where you call me, whether that be in a prison cell, or whether that be in the field, whether that be in a care home, whether that be in a school, whether that be in the home, you know, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It's about being faithful to who God's called you to be. Hallelujah. So moving on, um, we now get some commendation now for Philemon's character. So Paul Paul begins. Oh, this is an excellent way to begin, by the way, folks. Whenever you're going to address a situation that needs an answer and you're dealing with people, can I can I recommend to you that you always commend people for what they're doing and what they've done? You know, it's gonna it's gonna go further than just demanding. And so let's see this. So Paul gives us an example. Paul was an excellent writer, you know, uh, excellent uh, orator. And so the way Paul puts things is powerful. And he says here, I thank my God, making mention of you always in my prayers. You know, what a way to start. When was the last time you said to somebody, I thank my God, every day, every moment for your life. Now, maybe you're a super saint and you say that a lot, but the truth of the matter is, you know, that is a powerful statement. If you want to win friends and influence them, tell them that you're thanking God for them and, and you're, you're praying for them. I mean, this isn't flattery. This is the truth. 
You know, if, if Paul was saying he was doing this, you bet the Holy Spirit was going to pull him up if he wasn't. So here he says, I, I'm making mention of you always at all times. That means so every time, you know, oh, have you heard about what Philemon's? Oh, he's such a blessing to you. Heavenly Father, just bless Philemon so he can do more. You know, and it's like, oh, I, w I wonder what Philemon's doing today. Um, I need to send a letter to him. Lord, bless Philemon. I, I want to I see him prosperous. Bless the church. You know, this is the lifestyle that Paul had. As soon as his name was mentioned, he would be praying for him. As soon as he would think about him, you know, he'd be writing a letter or dictating a letter and his mind would wander off and Philemon would come into his thoughts and he would stop and he would pray for Philemon. This was the lifestyle of Paul, a man of prayer. And here it's like it's, it, the, the emphasis and the way this put on, it, it's like a prayer that you would say uh, at the table over a meal. It's, it's like the grace. Now let us say grace together. Let's hold hands and come into agreement and be thankful for the food on the table. Well, this emphasis of the way Paul's praying is like that. I'm so thankful, God. We're in agreement for the blessing that Philemon is to the church. Hallelujah. Oh, you know, wouldn't it be wonderful to be having people pray like that for you and for me? And I believe some of you are, and uh, I, I thank God for you. But, you know, wouldn't it be great to be those type of intercessors? So here uh, in verse 5, it says, Hearing of your love and faith which you have towards Lord Jesus and towards all the saints. Hearing, you know, it's I'm hearing the reports. People are coming and visiting. They're sharing what's happening with the church. And what I'm hearing is this, your love. Uh, you know, one of the greatest things that you could ever mention, it, it, uh, if you really want to, you know, encourage somebody, is you hear that their love is having an impact. You know, uh, here this man, Philemon, I, I, I would imagine he was a similar age, you know, to Paul. You know, they would, for me, I mean, I, I don't know for sure. Not, none of us can know this. But I would imagine that they were, you know, a similar age and, they would understand each other as fathers. You know, we ne we never know whether Paul got married or had children. They're not mentioned in the Bible, but he certainly uh, had a lot of spiritual sons. He certainly had a lot of younger men in his care. And I, I believe that, you know, one of the things that you can say in the, in the kingdom is when you hear of one of your converts, one of those that have followed Christ, how effective they are in the kingdom, how much full of love they are in the kingdom. You know what? That's so encouraging. I, I, I believe that the, the church is lacking the fathers to uh, encourage the sons to excel in the, the area of love. You know, most most fathers don't talk about love to their sons. But you know what? The, the greatest The greatest example is love the most powerful example is love you see most fathers want to teach their sons to be strong to be boisterous to be men of authority to be tough and to be you know but the truth is what's our father in heaven wanting us to do what's he wanting his children to do he wants his children to demonstrate him and he is full of love and so i think it's really one of the most things is if 
you know, if I have brought you to Christ to have a testimony that you're walking in love with fellow believers and demonstrating love with fellow believers, I think that, that would warm my heart so much. That would encourage me so much. And so here he's just reporting back what he's heard. No wonder he's thanking and praying, you know, because men of this caliber, men of Philemon's caliber are rare in the kingdom of God. I believe that it shouldn't be that way, but I believe it. Unfortunately, it's true. Well, not many men who are in positions of power and are sold out for God. Most who are in positions of power want to abuse that power. Oh, hallelujah for men like Philemon. And then he says, your love, which is your giving, your charity, your affection for the, for the believers, and your faith, your belief, your fidelity. I love the word fidelity, you know, because uh, when, you, when you're thinking of fidelity, you're thinking of a sound. And, you know, in other words, Christians, our, our belief and the sounds we make should resonate quality. Uh, we, we we should, you know, I'm not talking about our singing voices because some of us can't sing, um, but I'm talking about our lifestyle should resonate sound quality, fidelity. Uh, fidelity is so much more. Fidelity is the best. You know, you, you, know, you get certain uh, radios and, and the tinny, you get televisions and the tinny sound because they're cheap. And you get something like, well, you know, it's big brand name and it, you, you turn it on and you know, everything vibrates with the quality and the deep and the richness. And the truth of it is our Christian lives, you should be able to tell a true Christian from a false Christian because the false Christian is tinny and fake. But the true Christian, when they speak the fidelity, the quality, the, the richness of the sounds they make should be heaven bound words that, you know, just are invading earth or oh, Come on, you know, <laughs> oh, the richness of purity of sound doctrine is important, which you have towards the Lord Jesus and towards all saints. In other words, you know, his relationship with Jesus Christ was good. It was on solid foundations because Philemon walked with Jesus he walked with fellow believers so well. I believe, you know, the richness of the tones we make and the ripples we make around us are, are based on the quality of our relationship with Christ. And so, you know, if people are going to boast, may they boast that I spent time with Jesus. If people are going to say good things about me, may they, may they commend me for focusing on the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, this is important stuff. Because it, out of that fidelity, out of that belief in Jesus, everything else in my life should flow. This is the quality. And so here he says, towards all the saints, beautiful word, the saints. You know, the, uh, the Roman Catholic Church on the whole, you know, doesn't believe in saints in the same way we believe in saints. They, they believe that you become a saint when some, some, something happens, you're dead long enough or you're you've done enough work in the kingdom we can we can we can anoint you the title saint and you know the patron saints of this and that and the other and no that's not correct it's not biblical we are saints those that are born again are all saints we don't, we don't become person 
that people parade around their dead bones and festivals and this is the stuff that goes on in the roman catholic world you know they bring out the dead saints bones once a year and they parade them around the town and city and have a big celebration have a knees up and a, and what have you and, and you know the bones go back in uh, into the closet for another year until they all come out again and these poor saints never get any rest uh, but yeah, it's it, that's nonsense. That's religion. That's that's witchcraft at its best. No saints. We are saints when we're sacred, pure. We, we we're morally blameless and we're consecrated, holy. This is talking about you and me. This is talking about the believers in Christ Jesus who, on the inside, on our spirits, on our born again, regenerated spirits, on the. On, on the inside, where the place where Jesus dwells, when the Spirit of God uh, regenerated, that makes us a saint. That makes us sacred. That makes us holy ground. Oh, can I tell you, I'm more holy on the inside than uh, than you can see on the outside. Um, it's true for you as it is for me. Uh, but saints, we're in it together. You know, this is the truth of it. Come on. We're being commended here by the writings of Paul. We're being encouraged here for, for being believers. You know, what, what, a, what a way to spend the evening, to be not patting each other on the back, but to be speaking truth. You are a blessing in the mighty name of Jesus. This is what I'm talking about. I'm talking that we are precious in the kingdom of God. We are anointed in the kingdom of God. We are um, not of this world. When are we going to get this into our spirits? That what we're doing on earth is because we're doing it because of our relationship with heaven. Hallelujah. Amen. And he's, he says this, that the sharing of your faith may become effective by the acknowledgement of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. Can I tell you, I've employed people, you know, I've never had a slave, but I've employed people and I've paid them a fair wage, you know, um, probably not enough in their eyes, but that's the truth of it. And, you know, the best employees, I, I the, the ones that would go above and beyond what I asked were the ones that were concerned what I thought the best employees that I ever had were the ones that were concerned about what I thought of them. You see, if I if I came around and I, I said to them, that's a great job. I'm really, really pleased with that. That's awesome. You know what? On the next job, they they would try to do even better to get more praise because their heart was to excel to please uh, they wanted to do well they wanted to move up within the company you know but if i told them that that you know that's not good enough that that's that's a poor job you you've done really badly and i'm not happy you know what they think why do i bother why do i bother you know and they would then go and they would go to the next job and they think well you've that's what he thought of the last work. He's not going to be happy with this work. And the whole attitude would be wrong again. You know, and, and this is something I've seen as I've, you know, I've been in the factories in China and, and you know, China in the news a lot these days. Um, 
And, you know, you have to understand that the the Chinese people do not think like we think in the West. They think completely differently. Uh, and not all of them, but they're, they're, they're in a different culture, in a different mindset. And, you, you know, when I was in, in China in those factories and I, I sat with some of the engineers that were designing products and things and I sat with them and talked through what they were doing and what they've been doing and and I gave them my perspective from the West and I, I spoke into their lives and I encouraged them and saying I, I think you've done a great job I think that you know there is room for improvement but these areas have been outstandingly good and yes let's make the next one better together you know, and wow, the expression on their faces when they heard that I th I thought they'd done a good job, it, it just the whole joy level went to another level. You know, it's, uh, and you'll you'll get what I'm talking about in a minute because you see, in the Chinese culture, it's different to our Western culture because we reward people for doing well in the West. But in China, they expect you to do well all the time. They, they, they expect you to be giving your 128% all the time. So when you, when you make a mistake or you do something wrong, what they do is they turn around and, and they'll say, you, we want to punish you because you've done it wrong. We want to punish you. We want to tell you that you're wrong and we want you to pay the price of being wrong and so in the west we would say you know what you've done a great job be be blessed but in china they were they would never commend you you've done your job that's that's your duty you see this is communism you've done your duty for the public best for the nation's best you've done your duty and there's no there's no pat on the back there's no well done you you know you you've done what's been expected of you but as soon as they would mess up it's like you know that they would be crushed uh, and they would be punished and what china's trying to do is trying to use that same mentality on the world right now uh, you know they they want to punish us for not meeting what their expectations are that you know, their expectations is to bow down and say we're going to work for the good of China, for the good of this cause. And, and when we say, "Hang on a minute, that doesn't benefit us," then they want to punish us for for that disobedience. You know, I don't want to get political in this, but this is the mindset of communism. But you see, the mindset of Christianity is to commend, is to build up, and to edify people into excelling in their walk with jesus and there's so many churches where their leadership wants to do the opposite they want to uh they, they expect everybody's already functioning at 100 but if somebody messes up they'll preach and they'll teach and they'll, they'll they'll lay it into them and they'll crush their spirit you know and it shouldn't be it shouldn't be we should be building people up and telling them you know what you stack those books so well. You 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 stack those chairs so well. You 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 read those notices so well. You know, oh yes, you know. Well, you know, it could have been better, and I've been in places. You, you know what? You gave it your all. 
well done you. You know, it's not flattery. It's building people up. It's speaking values. It's saying, you know, <laughs> that was, you know, that was inspirational when it's inspirational. You know, I'll be honest with you. I've been in ministry a long time. I've been sharing the word of God a long time. And very rarely do people encourage you in the Western churches. They have this mindset that, you know, is, is a, you know, well, I can't encourage you because you'll, you'll think too highly of yourself. You know what? Nonsense. We're here to be a blessing and encouraging. If you've done a good job in church, you deserve to be noticed. You deserve to be blessed. You deserve to be praised because you did it for your Lord and your God and for the kingdom. You see, an ungrateful master thinks that he's entitled for you to be that way anyway. You know, and he's saying here that I believe that everything you've been doing, I, I want to, I want you to go to the next level. I, I want you to become more active and, and operative and, and more powerful in the kingdom of God. And this is what God wants for us. He wants you and me to be more effective in the kingdom. He wants us to be more powerful. But, you know, it stems from our relationship with God. It stems from a relationship with each other. You know, I can't do what I do without the support of you guys and the love that you bring to me in your kind words and your prayers of encouragement. I'm very serious in these matters because we get weary. I'm reminded of the Bible verse in the early hours this morning. Don't get weary in, in, in doing well. You, you know, you, you, you don't understand the hours that I, I do warfare and I can get so weary uh, and, you know, and I'm thinking, what impact am I having, God? What, what, what lives am I changing, God? You know what? I just get a message and just get a, a blessing uh, from somebody who says, you know, your, your words, what you preached the other day, what I listened online, you know, that really touched me. Uh, or I got healed when you prayed. Those words just lift my spirit and make me move forward. You know, and, and this is the truth for you. You are valued. Uh, maybe you've never heard your, your leaders in your church tell you, because they're, they're too busy condemning you, too busy uh, lording it over you. But can I tell you, in the kingdom of God, your faithfulness has been noticed. But come on, where's the love for one another in the church and in leadership in churches? You know, and he says, uh, by the acknowledgement of every good thing which is in you, in Christ Jesus, recognition and discernment, you know, everything in us and everything that's good that we do is because of God in us. You know, it's the truth of it. I believe it. I feel that we need to recognize what people carry more. You know, we, we look for the, the visiting big shot to come into town and to bring the blessing. But you know what? The real blessing is in the faithful. Is it The real blessing is in those that show up all the time the real blessing is in those that don't say much but they're faithful to be praying they're faithful to be supporting those are the real blessing not the big shot that comes into town with a parade that's not your blessing the blessing is the faithful ones the ones that are around you the ones that speak into your life and encourage you every day 
that are in in the the trenches with you. They are your blessing. And the church needs to hear this. We, we've, we've idolized people too much. We've put them on pedestals and, and think that they have some sort of anointed ministry. Can I tell you, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is the same spirit in them and the same spirit in you. You don't have to be a big shot on earth to be a faithful one in heaven. You have to understand that You've got to be faithful in whatever God gives you. And your relationship with God is worth the time you're an investment because he notices, he's recording, and he is setting you up for success because it's in him that you can do all things through him. Hallelujah. Amen. So everything that's in us is because of Jesus. Hallelujah. Everything we've given yeah, that's come out of us, that's good, any good thing, really it's because of God, because of Jesus. Nothing in ourselves is good, but everything in us that is of God that comes out of us is for his glory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You see, it's the holy place within us. That's where the good things come from. That's where... Anything good in your life that comes out of you, it should be because that's Jesus operating in you, because Jesus is in his rightful place within you. Hallelujah. Verse 7, for we have great joy and consolation or comfort in your love. See, this is it. The love demonstrated means so much more than words. I'm tired of hearing people tell me they love me and not acting like they love me. Instead, they stab me in the back. Instead, they abandon me. Instead, they they, they turn around when the, the, the going gets tough. You know, where are the people that truly love in the kingdom? Where are they all? I too hope that, you know, taking this message on and realizing that if we want to change things in this world, we have to become people willing to love, willing to lay down our lives to see others succeed. For we have great joy and comfort in your love. You know, the encouraging thing is the fact when people love, it brings great joy and comfort. When I can I tell you, if you're in a church and it's hostile, and people are falling out left, right, and center and having internal conflicts. That doesn't bring any comfort. That doesn't bring any joy. That, that brings division and destruction. But can I tell you, when people truly love, and they're not loving for selfish motives, but they're loving from a heart that's pure before God because they're spending time with God, those people I want to surrender to. And I want to enjoy the comfort. And I want to experience those people more and more in my life. You know, but I'm done with the fakers that just got the mouths. They talk all the talk. They Their mouths move faster than cars. And, you know, their hearts are far from people. They're just flatterers and abusers. And they're fake. Because their inner spirits are corrupt. It's about them rather than about you. Hallelujah. Here we go. In, in your love, because the hearts 
of the saints have been refreshed by you, brother. The hearts that that word heart says the is the word bowels, you know, the the intestines. You know, it's not necessarily the heart. You know, you know the beat thing that makes you beat. We kind of get confused because we we use this the word heart all the time, but the truth is your spirit uh, is your belly. That's the 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 core of you is in your belly. And, you know, when you get the gut feeling, it's because the spirit is speaking to you and you're not recognizing it. And it's the belly, it's the intestines, it's the bowels, it's the real inner you. That's where your spirit is. So everything that's happening in here is a condition of your spirit. You know, so everything in this bowel area, everything in this lower part of your body is where the spirit is within you and so here this word hearts is the bowels and can i i translate it for those that want to be spiritual it's your inner spirit it's the dwelling place of your spirit man or spirit woman if you like if you want to be political on it and you know it's so that you've your, your love has been refreshing the saints your actions because of your love has been replenishing the saints can i tell you we need each other in these days you're more of a blessing than you could ever imagine think or even know can i tell you this and you're refreshing somebody you're blessing somebody i do hope it will be me oh hallelujah what a wonderful message that paul is saying he is encouraging and now he's stating his case he's got to his his real point and here in verse 8 he says therefore though i might be very bold in christ to command you what is fitting yet for love's sake i rather appeal to you break this down therefore though i might be very bold in christ to command you know that's the word command here is to charge you with a with a duty it's you know it's like a military order you know when when you get uh, uh, i'm charged with guarding this post i'm charged with uh, commanding this um whatever it is you know it's it's a military term and and you know we we are in in the kingdom christ gives us commands he gives us charges charges really are not not like police are charging us with a crime but they're charging us with our duty you know but it's up to us to carry out our duty so when god says i charge you with being a good soldier it's our duty to be a good soldier you know it's uh, and when god's giving you a charge giving you a position it, it, it's our duty to fulfill that order to fulfill that command or to get the commission of that charge and and carry it out with all our, our due diligence and our duty it's my duty to do what is right in the kingdom of god you know that's kind of thing i know i've talked about this a lot already but this is the truth of it is we need to get this into our spirits that with christ he can command us he can charge us but it's up to us we can either go awol we can either go absent without leave we can either turn our back on the on the duties that God's commissioning us with, or we can stand fast. We can take territory. We can do the good fight. It's our choice. God has given us free will, even in this. But 
here he says, I might be bold in Christ to command, to give you an instruction which is only fitting for the situation. But because I'm a brother and you are a brother, I don't need to give you an instruction. I don't need to charge you with a kingdom commandment. I can actually just appeal to you because you're a person who loves. In other words, he's saying this, because Philemon, your heart is love. And because you have proven yourself over and over again by how much you love people, I can approach you in all confidence, knowing you'll do the right thing. You see, people who love unconditionally are approachable. People who love themselves are not approachable. People who love others unconditionally and sacrificially are approachable. But people who love themselves more are not approachable. I see this in church, uh, you know, and uh, you know, I, I can go to somebody, it doesn't matter whether it's my own church or another church elsewhere, and I can go to somebody and I can say, can you get me a glass of water? Or can you do this for me? And you know what? Those that love, they just say yes, and they'll do it. You know, those that don't love, oh, you would think I was asking for their bank account and all their money, you know, uh, you think they'd be asking for their firstborn child's life, you know, and it's a hardship. It's a hardship. Can't you ask somebody else? Can't you see I'm busy? But somebody who loves, it's like, yes, sir, I'll do it straight away. You know, some of them go off and do it, and some of them go off and no, don't do it. You know, <laughs> this is the nature of people. I remember one of my employees, once I, I gave him an instruction, I said, go and do this for me. Uh, and it's really important. I need I need your eyes on this job because uh, as soon as there's a breakthrough, I need to know about it. And so, you know, I, I come into where he should be and I think, where is he? I told him to keep his eyes on this job. I needed to know when, when this was, you know, happening because what had happened, he, he wasn't there and, and then the job had gone wrong. Uh, it gone beyond the breakthrough. It now is causing damage, and uh, and it's like, where's he gone? Where is this unfaithful employee that I gave a charge to to watch and to tell me when the breakthrough occurred? But instead, he'd gone off to have his lunch. And I said to him, "Where were you? What were you doing?" And he said, "I thought you told me to go and have lunch." I can't believe it. You know, there's no, there's, he chose to hear what he wanted to hear and go and do what he wanted to do, even though I was paying him for his time to be watching for me. This is what I'm talking about. We have a choice in, in this life. We can either love unconditionally or we can do our own thing. Yet for love's sake, I rather appeal. You know, I, I, I rather call for, and I desire and I pray to to you that because you you you're you're a brother, you're a true brother, you're a true father. You're you you you're going to hear my heart on this. 
being such as one as Paul, the aged, and now the prisoner also of Jesus Christ. So in other words, he's saying this, I, I, Paul, I'm coming to you as Paul, a father in the ministry, an old man now. I, I'm coming to you uh, as a prisoner of Jesus. I, I'm, I'm actually coming to you as I'm begging now. I'm, I'm putting myself at your mercy now. You see how Paul is, is putting this? He says, I could have told you to do this. I could have I could have commanded you to do this because I'm I'm an apostle Paul to the church. I'm your apostle, I'm your father in the faith. But actually, I'm coming to you as a brother, as somebody not in a position but as an equal or even less than an equal because i'm a prisoner you see there's different ways we can ask in the kingdom we can ask we're thinking that we're important enough to deserve it or we can ask from humility hoping that the person we're asking will operate in love I want to be that person that is approachable and will operate in love. This is important. I want I want us to develop this culture in our churches, it, that we will become honourable, faithful and approachable. And we walk in humility, esteeming not I'm pastor or apostle or prophet or evangelist or teacher. No, I'm a brother. And what's more, I don't deserve this, but I trust you with this. You know, this is the heart of Paul. And he says, I appeal to you for my son, Onimus. And his name means profitable. Uh, you know, I appeal to you for someone else. So all that Paul's been getting to, all the humbling of Paul before, you know, the bowing down, the, the praise, all it's been to do is not for Paul, it's for somebody else. This is the heart of Paul. Paul gets such a bad rap from the church, from people who don't understand who they're talking about because they're offended at something. Well, they need to grow up. They really, they really, really, really need to understand that Paul's heart was for to do the right thing in every situation. And if that meant taking the low road and humbling himself to see somebody else exalted, he would do that. I want people like Paul in my life. Great men and women of faith, but with, with, with enough humility to not think they're special. That's the kind of people I want to surround myself with. That's the kind of person I want to be. You know, so he says, I appeal to you for my son. Basically, this guy was, a, I'm appealing to you for a runaway slave that belongs to you, Philemon. One of your slaves who, who ran away from you. This is the consensus. This is the, this is pretty much who Philemon was. He, he somehow found himself in prison with Paul. Whether he was there as a prisoner or whether he was there as a working slave, I don't know. 
but he was found himself in prison. This Onimus found himself in prison and he'd run away from Philemon and Onimus had become born again. And it says here, whom I have begotten has been born again, regenerated while in my chains, prison shackles, you know. And so here he's been born again, regenerated. I, who, who I have led to Christ whilst in my chains, in my prison shackles. I, I, even when I'm chained up, I can still lead people to Jesus. Can I tell you, when the world chains you up, you can lead people to a relationship with Jesus by your fruits. You see, you can either act like a hurt prisoner or you can act like a man full of grace and a prisoner to Christ in the prison. I'll tell you what, because Paul may have been a prisoner in chains, he wasn't a prisoner in heart. He, his heart was for Jesus. His heart was was enslaved to the kingdom and not to this world. And so he says, because in, even in these chains, I, I have the privilege of leading one of your runaway slaves into the kingdom of God. And he says here, who once in the past... Yeah, verse 11, who once, in, which means in the past, was unprofitable. Notice his name was profitable. You know, omnibus, it can be translated profitable. So he, he was, his name was profitable, but he was unprofitable in the past. But you see, when, when Jesus gets hold of somebody, somebody like you write off, somebody that runs from the kingdom of God, somebody that disobeys, somebody that's totally useless, because that's what unprofitable means, somebody that was useless, more trouble than they were worth. That's that's who this person was in the past. But because he got introduced to Jesus through the ministry of Paul, he was now profitable to you. But in the past, he was unprofitable to you, but now is profitable, is useful to you and to me so now this one man who was useless before no profit to anybody has been saved in the prison alongside paul whether he was working there or whether he was in change we do not know but now we know that he has become profitable every every runaway person in your life whether it be a child whether it be a, a friend whether it be an employee well whoever's left your life running from God, running from the call, running from whatever. You know, they, they've left your church and they've gone. You know what? They might have been unprofitable, but when they in, get introduced to Jesus, when they truly get saved, their whole life is going to turn around. And this is what had happened to this man. And so now I'm sending him back. Verse 12, he says, I'm sending him back. You therefore... Uh, receive him, feed him, and be friendly towards him. That is my own heart's desire. That's my spirit's desire. Paul's saying when when he comes back with this letter, because you know, I, I, Paul was you know pretty much looks like he sent this slave back to his owner with Paul's letter in hand. And so you know, when the slave got in front of his owner, his owner had the right because he was a runaway, to kill him, uh, to punish him, to, to, to torture him, 
uh, do anything he wants. He, basically, his life was the property of the slave owner. So Philemon was in his rights to kill, torture, do anything he wanted to this slave. But because he'd got saved and now he was returning to his owner's house, he, he, he was worthy of death. But now he was going to be received as a friend. This is a tremendous gospel message in this, that we're guilty of running away from God, our Father. We're guilty of running from the household of heaven. We're guilty. And if we went back into God's presence, we would be guilty. But, you know, when we're out in the wilderness and we encounter Jesus and we get a transformation, a regeneration of our internal souls and internal spirits, when we get the revelation of who we are really in Christ, when when we return to our Father, he isn't going to punish us. He's going to receive us because the Holy Spirit is interceding before us. And Jesus Christ has done the work of redeeming us. Oh, hallelujah. And so here he says, I'm sending him back. You know, imagine the slave's heart. He thinks, oh, I wonder what they're going to do to me when I get back. But he had faith in Paul and in the letter of Paul. And he knew who his master really was. And so he returned. Paul says, I wish to keep him with me in verse 13 i wish to hold on to him that on your behalf he might minister uh, or continue to serve to me in my chains for the gospel the good news message in other words he came being a bad servant but now he's valued his ministry and his servant and the things he does for me are valuable to me Paul says, I wanted to hold on to him. I want to keep him. But, verse 14, but without your consent, I wanted to do nothing. In other words, I need your permission. I need your agreement, Philemon. I, I, I could have just kept him. I, I could have gave you no choice. That your good deed might not be by compulsion, no choice, as it were but voluntary. In other words, Paul says, you know, I could have just forced the situation. I could not even told you, but I want the right thing. and I don't want anything to come between us in our relationship. And I want us to be in good conscience. And I want to say to you, I'm appealing to your better side. Don't punish him, but rather send him back to serve me. Both Paul and both profitable went with, with, with the humble hearts, they had to humble themselves before this great man, Philemon. Uh, and they gave Philemon the choice. Can I tell you, God has a choice, but we have to humble ourselves to go to him. But you know what? Because God is love, because God loves the saints, I believe he's going to do the right thing. Hallelujah to everyone who goes to him. I believe he's going to receive you and accept you, and exalt you. Oh, I believe my Father. I believe he's a good God. He is worthy of all my praise. He's worthy of me being faithful to him, obedient to him. Oh, it's so true. And so he goes on in verse 15, he says, for perhaps he departed for a while, for a season, for this purpose, that you might receive him into your household 
forever. Hallelujah. See, some people in our lives, they go out of our lives and we wonder, what was all that about, God? Why did this happen, God? Why did they go this way? Why did they run off that way? Can I tell you, sometimes it's a season and sometimes it's whilst they're out in the wilderness, it's, they can encounter uh, you know, somebody tied up, somebody about to face execution and, and they could be led to Christ. You know, your children that are in bonds, your children that are in difficult places, they can meet a child of God, a faithful child of God who can bring them into the kingdom forever. Hallelujah. See, sometimes, you know, what you think you've lost, heaven's actually got a plan to gain. What you think you've lost in the natural, heaven has a plan and a purpose in all that sorrow and all that pain to redeem a soul. For eternity don't lose hope the prodigals will return in jesus mighty name no longer as a slave oh hallelujah this is so much the the picture of our condition we're the slaves but when we come and we get born again by the spirit of god by the message we receive from a faithful person that shares the gospel with us what what happens is we're no, we're no longer slaves, but now we're brothers. He, no longer as a slave, but much more than a slave, a brother, a beloved brother, a servant brother, a heart to serve. Hallelujah. Only God can do this. Man can't do this. People can't change. You, you've heard the expression, a leopard doesn't change its spots. Only God can change something on the inside. So anybody who looks too much of a difficult case, you haven't met Jesus yet. Jesus can do this. Jesus, our God, is able to turn somebody who was once a runaway, once a disobedient servant into a prospering brother servant. Oh, hallelujah. Especially to me, how much more to you both in the flesh and in the Lord. You know, no longer a slave, but a precious brother to us both. It both in the, the in his in his physical state now and in the spiritual state, a blessing to both. Hallelujah. Just a few more verses here and there to be working through. And it, it, it he says this, verse 17. Then if you count me as a partner, receive him as you would me. I mean, what an honor. What an honor for this slave to be given this position he didn't deserve. And this is exactly what's happening with you. If you're the slave in the kingdom of God, you're getting a position of honor. You're getting the position of Jesus Christ. That's right. Jesus says, when you receive Brother Philip, do it like you're receiving me. Jesus says, when you receive this precious person, do it like you're receiving Jesus Christ himself. Uh, can I tell you what a, what a church this was? What, what, a, what a testimony of Paul's love and, uh, for this slave, this difficult slave who was once unprofitable and became profitable. He eventually lived up to his name because of the gospel. 
Can I tell you the gospel is more powerful than you can ever think? Imagine the gospel has has the words of Jesus in it and the gospel has the blood of Jesus upon it and the gospel can break the hardest of hearts, can break the yoke of bondage, uh, it can set slaves free, it can exalt people who, who, who should be killed into everlasting life. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is what the gospel will do for you and for me. It, it's wonderful. And, he, and But if he has wronged, hurt you in any way, or, or, or owes you, you're on, he's under some ob- obligation to repay anything, put that on my account. Isn't this the gospel? Everything that Jesus Christ stands for is here. Everything that Jesus has done on the cross. If we have offended God, Jesus says, I'll pay the price. Jesus says, if they owe you anything, Father, I'll pay it. I'll put it on my account. So when I go to the cross, I'll pay for that sin and I'll pay for that offence and I'll pay for that transgression and I'll I'll take on the debt. You're known good for it. This is what Jesus has done. And Paul is demonstrating Christ more than ever in this letter. And I believe that that's why this letter has ended up, this personal letter written between two men, this personal letter to set some captive free, this personal letter that has now been shared with the world for the last 2,000 years, I believe the Holy Spirit meant for it to be in the canon of Scripture because it demonstrates the heart of Jesus Christ, the sacrificial love. It demonstrates how believers should be forgiving, loving. Oh, it's so powerful. It's so passionate and it's so deep and so true. Hold on to this. Be like these people. Hallelujah. Paul, I'm writing with my own hand. I will repay. You see, Jesus Christ did it with his own life. He stepped forth. He didn't get somebody else to do it for him. He did it himself. When Jesus Christ said the debt will be paid so that these people of earth who believe in me will receive everlasting life, he says, I'm going to write this in my blood. I'm going to do it on behalf of them and Paul's saying look I've written this with my own effort with my own hands I haven't given this to somebody else to do I've done it personally I'm putting myself in a position to owe you and to be in your debt I want you to release this man and put me in his place This is what Paul was saying. That's exactly what Jesus has done on the cross. He has released us and took our punishment for himself. And he says this. Yes, brother, let me have joy from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in the Lord. In other words, give me good news. Let me 
be at ease and at rest. Let me get rid of all the doubt and the turmoil in me. Let, let me hear the good news that you receive this. And verse 21, having confidence in your obedience, I write to you knowing that you will do even more than I ask or say. In other words, you know, I, I, I've got enough belief in you, Philemon, the head of the church there, the head of the household, in your obedience, in your submission, I write to you, knowing that you will do even more abundantly. You see, when, when you approach a, a true man and a true woman of God, they'll give you more. That's why Jesus said, you know, that, that give them the, your coat. If they ask for it, give them your coat, because the person who really loves will go that step further. They won't just talk about being a blessing. They'll actually be a blessing, a real blessing, not just a, a talkers, but actual doers. Uh, uh, demonstrate love. This is the truth of it. And he says here, but meanwhile, also prepare a guest room for me. In other words, prepare a place in heaven. This is the isn't this this isn't this really what he's saying? Because you know this was written to Philemon, but I believe it was written as a as a request to God. I believe it was, and I'm not putting, I'm not being blasphemous. I'm not putting Philemon in the place of God and, and all this. I'm telling you it's a picture. Philemon is a picture of the kingdom of heaven, his household, the kingdom of heaven. And, you know, he was over that. And what he's saying here in verse 22, but meanwhile, also prepare a guest room for me. You know, maybe he was praying that, you know, I will be delivered from this. But I think he... he Really, he, he knew that he was a slave to Christ first. And, and he was just encouraging them and commending Philemon. But really what he was saying is, receive me in heaven, Father. Thank you that you're preparing a guest room for me, a, a place to rest, I, I, so that I've run my race well. And he says, for, for I trust you through prayers. Why would he say prayers to Philemon? He's not, you know, why would he why would he emphasize prayer? Because we pray to the Father in heaven. And so he says, I trust you through earnest prayers. I shall be granted to you. I shall be delivered to you. You know, so this was, I think, you know, a double meaning. It was you know, if Christ's will is for me somehow to get out of these chains and to come and to see your wonderful faces, it'll be an answer to prayer. But you know what, Father, not my will, but yours be done. Prepare a place for me, for I know I'm about to be delivered to death, and you grant me a place in heaven. I believe this is this is the truth of the Spirit. This is the this is the essence. And then he says, just these last few, three verses now. Epirus, my fellow prisoner in Christ, Jesus greets you. As do Mark, Articus, or Astachorus, or however you would pronounce his name, and Dimas. And so here, this is John Mark. Uh, this person, 
Aristocaras or whatever his name is, and Demas. And, you know, so Demas is later uh, deserted Paul uh, because he loved this present world. And we read about that in 2 Timothy. You know, people that are with you today might not be with you tomorrow. You know, some people will hear this message of the good news of Jesus Christ, but later on they'll just be pulled back into the world because they love sin and they love pleasures of this world. Um, and then Luke, my fellow laborers, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Be with your spirit. Amen. So he's started with grace and he's finished with grace because all that we can do is under the grace of God. So these group of men who are traveling preachers, traveling ministry, church establishers, you know, had come and they'd gone to Colossae and they'd have helped to establish this work. And now most of them are finding themselves in chains and difficult, dark places. And here, look at this. Look at this. We each have our duty, and it's up to us to follow Christ, to follow his teaching. It's up to us to keep the charge that's been commissioned to us. Amen. You know, I feel that I could say so much more about this, but I think I've got, the points over i think you've understood what my heart is that we have to be people of character we have to be people of integrity we have to be people full of the love which comes out of the presence of jesus hallelujah amen Thanks for listening, I do hope you have been inspired and encouraged by today's teaching. If you would like to find out more or share a testimony, then you can visit our website at EncounterTV.org. Join us again next time for more Spirit and Sword Teaching with Pastor Philip.